know about you guys today, but I'm excited about today. And I don't think it's just the fact that I got an hour extra of sleep. That might have something to do with it. But I'm excited about what God's going to do through his word today. So far in our series on Ephesians, we've been paralleling a, a message by a series by J.D. Greer. And so far we've talked about how God chose us and he accepts us and he wants us. And he desires that every person on earth be adopted into his family. That was the first message. Then last week we talked about how uh, as Christians, Paul wanted our eyes to be open to what we have in Christ. To the power that he has to resurrect. How much God values us. And to the fact that Jesus already has the victory. Praise the Lord. We've, we've seen some big things. And we've talked about who we are in Christ in the first chapter. But in the chapter 2, verse 1, Paul talks about who we were. Let's take a look in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Paul jumps right in and he gives us a picture of who we were. He says, no, you weren't just drowning in sin. No, you weren't just sinking in sin. No, you were floating face down, dead in your sin. It's not just that some people are bad and that some people sin. And it's not even that we all make mistakes. But we're mostly good deep down. No, that's not what the Bible says here. It says we were dead in our sins. They're not categories of people where the really bad people are on the bottom, but we're somewhere closer to the top, and yeah, we sin, and yeah, we make mistakes. It's not like the Boy Scouts where there's like beginner people that are really bad, but we're like Eagle Scout people where we're like kind of better than everybody else. Yeah, we mess up every once in a while. Everybody makes mistakes. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you were dead in your sin. Sin is an incurable disease that we each were born with. And you are just as much a sinner as any person in this room and any person in this world. Do you believe that? Do you live that? Do you act like that? I, I think a lot of us struggle with the fact that we think we're better than some people. See, sin is not just an action. It's a condition of our heart. We do bad things because... We are bad. We were dead in our sins. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Someone once said that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Verse 2 goes on. It tells us a little bit more about who we were. It says, in, you, uh, excuse me, in which you once walked. How do we walk? We walked following the course of this world. Look at this next part. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of obedience. This world would have you believe that we're all children of God, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty babies, right? That's what the world would want you to think, that we're all just children of God. We're all just finding, trying to find our way to heaven. And you might have a little bit different way to get there. But in the end, if you're sincere, that's not what the Bible says. See, this verse is clear. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your one and only Savior, then your leader is Satan. 
That's harsh, right? That's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. This verse is clear. See, it's not that we're just trying to find our way to heaven. No. If you haven't accepted Christ, then you are walking behind the leaders of this world on a path to hell. See, before Christ, we were all sinners that were destined for hell. There was no amount of good in us. And let me just state here, too, that it's not enough just to believe in God. That's not enough. No, the Bible says you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So there are a lot of religions and cults that think, and we might even get that way, where we're like, well, they're pretty close. Maybe they serve the same God that we do, but they do it in a little bit different way. Well, Acts 4.12 says there's salvation in no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. Our God is a triune God. That means three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot reject Jesus and serve God. We were dead in our sins. And if you don't follow Christ, then you're following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Verse 3. It goes on even further. It's really beating us up here, right? It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, and were by nature's children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, before Christ, all of us lived according to what felt good. We did what our body told us to do. Our body tells us to have sex, so we do it. We follow our wants. Our mind tells us it would be in our best interest to tear other people down, so we do that. We obey. We follow our wants. Our body says get more, get more, and to fill up our bank account and to live uh, for filling our houses and filling our garages. We live for I. We live for self. See, before Christ, our bodies made the rule, and we followed them. J.D. Greer says this, that sin is best described by its middle letter, I. I. I want what's best for me. I want to glory in myself instead of God. I, I, I. When we're the center, it's sin. When sin drives us, we live according to our wants and our desires and our flesh. So you want to know what sin is? If it's motivated by self, then it's sin. Before Christ, we lived by the rules of sin, by the desires of our flesh. But as Christians, that's not how we're supposed to live. You might say, well, people that aren't followers of Christ do good things all the time, right? And even an atheist can jump on a grenade for his friends, right? That's good, right? Yeah, obviously. But see, in light of man's biggest sin, which is rejecting Christ, the good that he does does not amount to much. See, when you choose to turn your back on the one that made you and formed you and reject him, little else matters. A person that rejects Christ can't even call their good good. Think about that for a moment. You need to know who you were. Because sometimes when we get saved, we begin to think that we're something. But the only reason we're something is because God loved us and cared about us. He's the one that should be gloried in anything that we've been able to do. Any sin that we've been able to put behind us. Because you deserve to have the wrath of the almighty God unleashed on you in a place called hell. 
That's what you had coming before Christ. But here's where it gets good. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love wherewith he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I like that verse. Isn't that awesome? Take that in. Let's bask in this for a little while. Let's break this down. Even though we were that bad, God is that good. And see, if you don't know who you were before you were saved, then you have no real understanding of how good your God is. That's how awesome he is. It says that we were dead in our sins. We were helpless, controlled by sin. There was nothing good about you. You were following the leaders of this world. You were following your desires right to the gates of hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. See, there was nothing that you could do to save yourself out of this mess. But God did something. How can we ever take this love for granted? How could we ever go through a day without soaking in the fact that I deserved hell, but God loved me? Say that back to me. I'll say it one more time. I deserved hell, I but, God loved me. but God loved me. Let's do it one more time real loud. I deserved hell, I deserved hell. But, God loved me. but God loved me. Hey, that is your God. We didn't deserve it. And anything you've done since you've been a Christian... It's only because of him. How can we sing songs of worship with cold and dead hearts? How can we look at the, the screen where it says something like, I was lost in my sin and now I'm alive in you. How can we see that and not worship? That's how good our God is. How can we read the love letter called the Bible without ever stopping to thank him? How can we pray and never pause to spend a minute to just love on God? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, where there used to be death, now there is life. Where there used to be a grave, now we're allowed to sit in heavenly places with Christ. Christ died instead of us, and we now live again through Christ. The next part of the verse says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're going to notice that this is past tense if you look at your Bible. It says uh, he raised us up and he seated us with him. It's past tense because it's already done. So stop living like you have to impress God. In his eyes, all of this was done 2,000 years ago for you. How amazing is our God? So don't try and earn his favor, just love him. And if you are a Jesus follower, you can be sure of heaven today, not because you're good, but because Christ 
is good. I like this next part. It says, so that in the coming ages, what is he going to do in the coming ages? It says, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It says here that part of what's going to take place in heaven is God revealing to us the infinite beauty that is contained in who he is. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, it tells us that God wanted to lavish us with the riches of his grace. And here it says he wants to show off the immeasurable and incalculable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. God loves to flex his grace muscle. And I think we should too. Hey, you should be excited about the possibility that someone did you wrong so that you can show them grace and so you can show them mercy and forgiveness just like your God showed you. God wants to show off the immeasurable riches of his grace. Grace is unmerited favor. That means getting something that you do not deserve. Blessing someone that doesn't deserve to be blessed. Some of you are in this room today and you're holding things against people and you're not going to forgive them no matter what because one, they haven't asked for forgiveness. Two, they don't deserve your forgiveness. Well, praise the Lord, our God didn't look at us that way. Praise the Lord, God didn't say, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. There might be someone today that you need to go to during the invitation and say, hey, I forgive you because my God loved me so much. There is nothing that you can do that compares to what I did to God. So I forgive you. I think we'd find revival in the church. I think we'd see some amazing things happen if we put some stuff behind us and we stop holding things against people and, for, and remember for a minute who we were before Jesus showed up. God is loaded with grace. He's wealthy with grace. He's filthy, rich with grace. Next it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. You played no part. Being saved doesn't make you better than anyone else. It just means that you're forgiven. It is a gift from God, not a result of your works. Not anything that you have done to get yourself to heaven. Why? So that no one may boast. We are saved because of the grace of God. He made it happen. We are saved through faith. We put our belief in that Jesus already made it happen, and that was enough. This is the gospel. This is the good news that the Bible talks about. Jesus Christ forgives us despite our sin. But don't confuse that with accepting our sin. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship, created in Jesus to do what? Created in Jesus for good works, with God, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He accepts us, but his will is that we will reject our sin. Some people believe that, well, I will just, uh, I'll get saved and then I'll do whatever I want. That's not how the Bible describes it. The Bible says that we're not saved by good works, but real saving faith produces good works. His will is that we should walk in the works and words that Christ did in this life. He accepts us, but his will is that we will reject our sin. And some of us have struggled in this part of our Christian life. 
We, we, we're saved and we've, we've, we're a follower of Christ, but we've still got problems with pride and with gossip and, and with uh, things that are kind of acceptable in the church. Yeah, there's some sins that are okay to be uh, in the church as long as, as long as we act real pious about it. And we think we're better than people. But some of us have these things and we're still serving sin and we have this up and down Christianity. A roller coaster Christianity where our Christianity is going awesome and then it's going terrible and then it's awesome and then it's terrible. You try and say, I just can't seem to do it right. I keep messing up. But the problem is, is that you're trying to do it yourself. See, Christianity is not about you doing anything for God, but instead you allowing Christ to do something through you. Surrendering to allow him to work through you. Philippians 1.6 proves this. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Notice it doesn't say there, hey, I know Jesus started your salvation process and your sanctification process, but you work as hard as you can until you get to heaven, and then we'll figure it out then. No, it says he began it, and he will bring it to completion. Hey, you can be confident and have faith that if you allow Jesus to begin to change you, that he will do the work. And just like you need faith for salvation, you need faith for sanctification. This took me a long time to realize in my Christian walk, and it was very frustrating to get up every day and say, all right, this day I'm going to conquer this sin. This is the last time, God. I'd come down and I'd confess my sin at the altar and I'd make a bunch of promises about how I was going to do better. I know you deserve better, God. But it didn't get to the point where I said, I give up. I surrender. I can't do this. God, I need you to do this through me. You need to trust Christ with your every day. See, some of us, we just live however we want and then there's a sin that we don't really like that we do. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes before that sin comes up, we start to pray and ask God to do something about it. But that's not how it works. No, you start your day every day completely surrender and say, God, you order my day from start to finish, and I'm going to follow it wherever you go. And the Bible says he promises that there will always be a way of escape that you may be able to bear that temptation. You need to trust Christ with your every day. Give it to him. Stop relying on your flesh. Because it still wants to sin. And you might say, well, I feel so dirty. I feel so weak. Of course you do. That's why you can't do it. You have to let him do it. So have you accepted Christ for yourself? We've talked about a lot so far about a person that's a follower of Jesus. But have you put your faith personally? Can you go back to a moment, a time when you said, God, I am a sinner, I'm dead in my sin, and I need to be made alive again. I'm not talking about what your parents did. I'm not talking about what a Sunday school teacher said you did 50 years ago. I'm talking about you. Did you accept Jesus? Did you place your faith on what Jesus did and only what he did? Are you still dead in your sins, living life through the motions of sin? If you haven't accepted Christ yet, you can get it settled today. But maybe you are saved. But have you accepted the fact that you can't clean yourself up? You can't just try harder to be a Christian. 
No, Christ must do it through you. My pastor growing up would describe it as a man. You've seen people before where they have this pole and they put a plate on it, right? And they spin it. As soon as they get this one going, then they put it on and they spin this one. And then they spin this one. And before you know it, this one over here is wobbling and it's starting to come down. And then they come back and spin this one. And then they come back and, spin, and then that one's wobbling. And then this one falls off. And some of us, that's how we live our life in our Christian walk. We focus on something, but as soon as we, we try our hardest not to cuss, we try our hardest not to gossip, and as soon as we get that kind of strongness and we think we've tackled it, then something over here springs a leak. <laughs> but that's not how we're supposed to walk. It's not in your strength. It's in Christ's strength. You cannot do it. All that will lead you to is giving up. Christ must do it through you. Now, I'm sure we have a few professional Christians in the room. <laughs> they think they're past all this stuff. Ah, Pastor Phil's talking to all those young uh, Christians who've only been saved a few years. And we think because we're not slapped drunk on a Friday night that we're better than some people. We've made it. We've arrived, right? Well, see, that pride is what's keeping people from Jesus. You can't look down on people until you lifted yourself up. We're all sinners. There is no classification. We're all lumped into one group. So before we bring judgment down on someone, let us remember the beam that's in our own eye. If you find yourself looking down on someone, that's a clear sign that you have forgotten who you really were, dead in your sins. But because of the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us, we have no choice but to show grace and mercy to the people that have fallen into sin and have wronged us. Because Jesus forgave us, we have no choice but to forgive all those people that have wronged us. And maybe you've put some sin behind you in your life, but you never get over needing Christ to live through you. So Christian that's been saved for 30 years, you still need Jesus. Christ that began a good work in you will keep working on you until he comes back. Believe that. So if you come and you read your Bible and you don't find anything in there that you can change about yourself, you need to wake up. If you could come and you can listen to God's word being preached and, and the Holy Spirit never convicts you, that's a problem. Because he's going to work in us until the day that he returns. You won't be perfect until you step on those golden streets up in heaven. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we need to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Look at this next part. It says, and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought that we have ought to be captivated with Christ. So the way to stop cussing is not trying harder or to say it under your breath or just say it in your mind. No, it's giving your control, excuse me, giving control of your tongue over to Christ in every moment and allowing him to control what comes out of it. Every thought in obedience with Christ. Your only job today as a Christian is to obey Christ. See, we make the Christian life so complicated. 
But it's as simple as this. You allow God to remove anything in you that doesn't look like Jesus. Just like a sculptor chipping away at a piece of granite to reveal a beautiful image underneath. You look at your life every single day and say, where do I not look like Jesus? And you start your day with that mission. And you bring every thought into obedience with Christ, captivated. So let's recap here. You were dead in your sins, helpless, controlled by sin. There was nothing good about you. You were following the leaders of this world and your desires right to the gates of hell. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, made us alive together. By grace, you have been saved. There's nothing that you could do to get you at yourself out of the mess that you were in. But God did something. This is the gospel. This is what we're all about. This is what makes us Christians. Jesus in my place. That's the gospel. Jesus took and he died so that I might live. And some criticize Christianity, and you might even feel this way today, and say, well, it's so negative. All Christians ever talk about is how much they sin and how bad they were. And this, this is sin and that sin, and now they're just so negative. But there's nothing more freeing than knowing that your salvation does not rest on your shoulders. It's someone else took your place. Because there was nothing that we could do to get ourselves out of the mess that we were in. But God did something. Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads as the worship band comes. I think a God that good de deserves to be thanked. No one's looking around. Just take it a moment of reflection between you and God and say, God, what in my life doesn't look like you? Where can I change? Maybe you're that person in the room that's got some bitterness against someone else in this room. Hey, that cancer's going to tear us apart. It will not go away until you go directly like Matthew tells us and says, you go to them personally and say, hey, I've got an issue with you. I need to get this right. Well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Praise the Lord. God didn't look at us that way. Jesus left the example. Maybe that's you today. I know it would be embarrassing. I know people would look at you, but what's more important? Doing what God wants you to do, getting things right, Or being known in the church as someone that has no wrong in them. The altar's open this morning. God dealt with your heart about anything. You come down and deal with God about it. Maybe you just want to thank him. Because you remember who you were. And you remember how big of a deal it was. When you noticed the moment that God knew you. And still loved you. He knew you more intimately than anyone knows anyone. And he still extended his amazing grace to you. Maybe you're that person that you're guilty of forgetting who you used to be. And you've kind of gotten in that mode where you kind of feel like you've made it. And you find yourself criticizing everybody else that sins around you. You find yourself watching the news, 
and getting angry at what people are doing rather than being broken for the fact that they're sinning against their God. can't look down on anyone until you lift yourself up. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Phil, you talked a little bit about someone that wasn't sure that they were a follower of Christ. They weren't sure that they could go back to a time and a place where they said and prayed and cried out to God with a sincere heart that they knew that they were dead in their sins and that only Christ can make them alive. The Bible says there's four things you need to know in order to know for sure that when you die, heaven will be your home. You need to understand you're a sinner. We covered that today, right? I can't think about how much I've sinned against God without realizing how good God is. But the Bible even says that we deserved hell because of our sin. The God of the universe made this world in a perfect and a holy way, and he cannot fellowship with sin. And the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. That's what we earned, and what we deserved for our sin was death in a place called hell. But God, once again, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Jesus in my place the Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is there a time and a place where you can go back to where you say God I know I'm a sinner God I know there's no amount of good in me but I put my faith and trust in what you did on the cross see Jesus was a real person 2,000 years ago, he walked this planet and lived a perfect and a holy life. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. You've heard that word. It means God with us. He lived a perfect and a holy life, and he laid down his life on a cross. And he took our place. He died in our place. You can call out to God right now. If you've never done this before, you can't go back to a time and a place. You can call out right now with something like this. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. You can cry out to God and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. Please forgive me. I'm turning from my sin, God, and I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. No one's looking around. Every head's bowed, eyes closed. You slip your hand up. Say, that's me. I'm not ashamed of what I just did. I'm not playing games with God. You slip your hand up and say, that's me. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something here in a little while when we fill out those connection cards. If you'd put on the bottom there, you write 
I chose Jesus today. I chose Jesus today. I'd like to contact you about it, email you, just talk to you about what you did today. Let's pray for these that just made that decision today. Dear Lord, we thank you for how good you are. God, and how awesome you are. Even though we didn't deserve it. Even though there was no good in us. You still loved us. There's no greater love than that. God, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for those that chose the gospel today and chose Jesus today. God, I pray you begin to strengthen them and draw them to you, God. God, I pray that they find a Bible, God. And if they need one, Lord, I pray they let someone know. God, I pray that they be bold and tell someone about what they did. God, I pray they find someone in their life that needs to know this message of Jesus and tell them about it. God, I pray that we as a church will come alongside them and give them what they need in order to grow as a new Christian. Lord, we love you and thank you for letting us be part of these that made that decision today. God, I pray as we sing that you would be glorified and honored in all we do. In your name we pray. Amen.